What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Twilight Nine Podcast. This is episode 43. I'm your host, Riley. This week, we've got a lot to talk about. It was a really busy, like, four or five days in golf. The Brooks and Bryson thing continues. It was the Women's U.S. Open. Uh, Yuka Sasso was unbelievable. The nails that that girl had on the third playoff hole to just center cut that little 10-footer for birdie to win. Unbelievable. Uh, we'll get to it in a little bit when we get to headlines, but she she mirrored her swing after our guy, Rory McIlroy. So Rory was rooting for her yesterday, posted on uh, his IG about her and all that kind of stuff. So that was pretty awesome to see. But she wins the Women's U.S. Open. We'll talk about it in a second. And then the memorial was crazy. John Rahm just dominated through 54 holes. And then obviously the COVID thing happened. We'll talk about that when we talk about Memorial. And then we have a really, really shitty tournament this week. That's just it. The field sucks. Uh, DJ and Brooks are there. And that's pretty much it out of the big names. So that's kind of disappointing. But we still got to talk about it. Doesn't mean we can't win some money. We finally won some money last week. Not a lot of money. But we want a little bit of money. Finally broke the losing streak. Thank God. We'll take a green week at this point. So we like that. But there's just a lot to get to. So let's talk about it. Let's talk about Brooks and Bryson. So as you guys know, we talked about it on the show last week. The whole Bryson-Brooks saga kind of continues, right? With the Twitter battle and all that kind of stuff. And then a video came out, which went everywhere. And we talked about it last week, was the video of Bryson during a practice round at the PGA Championship hitting a drive, and then one of the fans going, that'll go Brooksy, and then he was like, whoever call me Brooksy needs to leave right now, whatever, and that went obviously viral, and then he was at Mirfield Village this week, and of course, when a video comes out of you so flustered about that, the only thing that's going to happen to you all week long is fans are going to come after you and say it all week long. And I forget what day of the tournament it was because I don't believe he started it on Thursday. But at some point, it was either, maybe it was Friday. I forget the exact day. But a group of police officers started following Bryson DeChambeau around. And their duty was to kick out anybody who called him Brooksy and just kick him out of Mirfield Village. I don't know how weak-minded someone could possibly be that they need to kick fans out just because they called him Brooksy. You got to be a mental midget for that to get to you, right? To have a serious impact on your brain and your mental state that you need to have three fully dressed police officers follow you around for 18 holes all weekend long, kicking people out that called you Brooksy. Unbelievable, right? And then Brooks got a hold of that because video started going everywhere. And then pictures of cops started going everywhere. Everybody on the ground was like, what is going on? Brooks, one of his partners is Michelob Ultra. And he posted a video on Twitter saying, if your time was cut short at the memorial, the first, I think, 50 people to DM Michelob Ultra would get a free case of beer. And of course, that video went everywhere. And then after the tournament, Bryson was like the PGA Tour has to step in and stop this. Uh, I'm going to continue to act like a gentleman and take the higher road, blah, blah, blah. But the thing is, it's just crazy to me. Because Brooks didn't like go out and ask everybody to call him Brooksy, right? 
Bryson was so offended by it and so clearly struck by what was happening that he said, no, I need cops to protect me from this verbal abuse of them calling me Brooksy. And then Bryson kind of put it back on Brooks. And then Brooks came out with a statement and said, hey, I would never condone anybody screaming something before swing, mid swing, blah, blah, blah. And he didn't like Brooks. This wasn't Brooks idea. He didn't go on Twitter and say, hey, I need all my fans to go follow around Bryson around Mirfield Village and call him Brooksy to get him mentally rattled. Brooks wasn't even at the tournament. And I just don't maybe because I'm biased and I just don't like Bryson. I just completely don't see his side whatsoever. Like I get it. Maybe it's like annoying. But it's not Brooks's fault that you can't handle it. He didn't ask anybody to do that. And then fans just started doing it because they know it affects you. And he's one of the more polarizing, if not the most polarizing player on the PGA Tour. It's either you get fucking Bryson suckers that put super thick grips on their golf clubs and they're doing the one plane swing and all that bullshit, the one length irons and all that kind of stuff. You get all the science kids that love Bryson, or you get the people that are like, this guy is the worst. He's obnoxious. And let's get in his head a little bit. Let's get in his kitchen. Let's rattle this kid. And he was obviously rattled because it was hilarious watching a group of police officers follow him around all day because he couldn't take it. I just thought that was funny. Who knows what the PGA Tour is going to do? I mean, they can't really do anything about it. Brooks isn't out here like promoting that to keep happening. He just said, if Bryson kicked you out of the tournament, I will send you beer, right? So I don't know. He's not asking people to do it. Bryson is obviously affected by it. It's only going to keep happening. And that's what kind of went around golf Twitter was like, oh, this is definitely the thing to do to stop fans from doing it is to have police officers follow you around and kick people out. People don't give a shit, especially when they start drinking. I said it. I was playing golf on Saturday and I was like, the next time I go to a golf tournament, it's probably going to be the travelers. And if Bryson is there, I'm going to throw in a Brooksy chirp. Why not? Fuck it. If you get kicked out, who cares? doesn't matter. He's just so mentally weak. It's crazy to me that he is affected by that that much. I don't know. But what I was saying is that is the worst way. It's just going to amplify from here. It's just going to keep happening worse and worse. And especially at a major coming up next week at the U.S. Open where Bryson's going to be the defending champion and probably one of the favorites just because how the golf course is going to be set up. Thin fairways, high rough U.S. Open. It's going to happen a lot. So he's going to have to keep him out of his kitchen or he is going to be very affected. And it's going to be funny as shit, especially the U.S. Open is going to have coverage all day long. So videos are going to come on social media all day long of it happening. I can't wait. I can't wait to see that guy. And then another headline, next headline, Yukasaso wins the U.S. Open. It was crazy to watch her play all week. She was just nails all weekend long. Drained a birdie putt, like I said at the top of the show, on the third playoff hole. She's a third teenager to win the Women's U.S. Open. The girl's 19 years old. And she stepped up to that, I think it was right to left breaker, and absolutely dead nuts right in the middle of the hole. And the stones on that girl to hit that putt in that situation was unbelievable. She modeled her swing after Rory McIlroy. She would watch her video, his a or a video of his swing for like hours before she would go to bed to deeper learn what he was doing so she could improve her golf swing and obviously it worked they look exactly the same on i don't know who golf channel or cbs somebody posted 
like a side-by-side comparison of the two swings and they look identical to each other and she hits the crap out of the ball I think she's one of the longest hitters on tour they posted a couple drives of hers and they were just bouncing by her playing uh, partners it was incredible to watch it was really really cool she got a shout out for Rory before the round started and then when she won and had the trophy she gave Rory a shout out saying like oh Rory told me to go get the trophy so I did thank you Rory McIlroy and he reposted it and he was like people are going to watch her swing now as girls grow up and want to be on the LPGA tour it is it was a very very impressive win by the teenager just incredible composure for a young kid to do that I couldn't even imagine winning the U.S. Open at 19 years old a freshman in college, and you won the U.S. Open. Unbelievable. And she won the tournament, but starting on Sunday, it looked like Lexi Thompson was had about a hand and a half on that trophy. After the eighth hole, she was five up. She had a five-stroke lead after the eighth hole. And then on the last seven holes, she played them plus five and didn't even get into the playoff for the championship. She has a little bit of a history of being a little iffy on the biggest stages in golf. Uh, so this was, you hate to not call it like a surprise because Lexi is a bona fide stud, but it sucks that it just kind of keeps happening in majors. So hopefully she's going to get over that. I bet she will. She's going to win a major very, very soon. And I love to root for the American girl. She was, she's so sick. She represents the country so well. And she, one of the biggest names in golf. So it was a bummer to see her kind of, kind of fail to capitalize on the back nine. But she played really good golf all week. I'm sure she's going to have a major here in the next couple of years. She just, her golf game is just way too good not to. And she's another one that just pounds it. Unbelievable player. But that's it for the headlines. Really good week. Uh, so let's talk about the Memorial. Cantlay won. Yeah, we're going to put him kind of on the shelf for a second because we need to talk about John Rahm. He walked off his 54th hole with a six-shot lead and pretty much it was all but over. He was going to be the guy for the second year in a row to walk off that 18th green on Sunday afternoon, shake Jack's hand, get that trophy again, right? Back-to-back years. And then he walks off the green and almost immediately is met by two officials for the PGA Tour where they tell him that he has tested positive for COVID-19 and he is being forced to withdraw from the tournament. And you can kind of see him keel over and the video was everywhere on social media, obviously. And I tweeted about it. I got a couple of responses. In my opinion... And somebody brought up a good point on Twitter also. But in my opinion, I don't think they could have chosen like a worse spot to tell him. I don't know if I would have told him that like on camera two seconds before he hit his last putt or after he hit his last putt in front of everybody. CBS is going to pick it up. It's going to be on cameras everywhere, right? I don't know if I would have just like let him walk over, um, maybe like warn him that there's a situation just so he doesn't you know, get too close to anybody, right? He's positive for COVID-19. He can't get like close with his playing partners to sign cards and all that kind of stuff. I don't know how that went, but you definitely could have handled the telling of him situation a little bit better. But then somebody brought up on Twitter and responded to the tweet saying the PGA tour usually doesn't do a very good job of making a example out of the PGA tour players. And this was like a good thing about the tour. And that I kind of get right. Cause the PGA tour didn't make the vaccine mandatory 
You don't have to get it if you don't want to. But this is a clear example of if you don't get the vaccine, you're running the risk of this happening to you. And at that point, I like kind of get it. So I understand. But were there a couple solutions that you probably could have put in place for him to play? Yes, right? He could have went first off by himself with just a score outside of the ropes to play golf and see what happens. Uh, I don't think he could have played in the afternoon because that makes the warm-up way. That was the big part for me when I was thinking about it is it's almost impossible to warm up, right? Where are you going to go? You have to range with all these people, especially if you play in the afternoon, right? If they didn't switch a tee time to the morning, they kept them in the afternoon. And then you got to go to the putting green, the range, all that kind of stuff. And you're going to be around all of the guys getting ready for their final round. So the only solution would to be in the morning, but again, like how early are you going to send him off that he's not going to see like other PGA tour pros? And is that fair to the other people that might've got the vaccine and they're safe right now? So I just don't think there was a way for him to play that final round. Expect it just the positive COVID-19 test is just, it sucks because there's just as such a simple solution. You just get the vaccine and then you're fine. Of course, like you can't force somebody to get a vaccine, but again, like the PGA tour is not going to hesitate. They showed they're not going to hesitate to make you WD if you test positive for COVID-19, if, you know, even if you're winning the tournament by six strokes. Like that was almost a guaranteed win. And Patrick Cantley said it after the round. It was like, oh no, John Rahm, that was almost like anything. Like that was over. That's the part that sucks, Right. And I bet this is going to like Scotty Scheffler came out. He said, I don't know. I'm not going to disclose if I was vaccinated, all that kind of stuff. But I'm sure after this, after the PGA Tour goes, oh, we don't care that you're winning by this much. You just tested positive for COVID-19. You're out of here. I suspect that the vaccine rate for PGA Tour players is probably going to go up after this weekend. That would just, it would make the only sense. I mean, sure, guys are free to do whatever they want. They know the risk of everything. But who knows? I think it was reported that John Rahm, he got the first dose of the vaccine at Mirfield. I guess they were giving it out to players or maybe even I don't know how many people they offered it to. But I know John Rahm got the first dose because I guess he was in contact uh, with somebody that recently had tested positive for COVID-19. So he was getting tested a lot throughout the week. And then it came back that Saturday afternoon. He did test positive for it. So it's a, it's a bummer. For John Rahm, obviously, because he had another memorial title pretty much won. I mean, no one even no one even sniffed his his score through three rounds to even win the golf tournament. So I don't know. It's just a bummer for him. But obviously now, I mean, people are going to get vaccinated and that makes the sport a lot safer. And then that makes it possible that that this may not happen again. So I think overall, I think the effect on golf is probably going to be a good thing. Uh, we'll see. I mean, it's just a really shitty situation. I mean, who could have seen that coming, but there's just such like an easy solution to this problem. Everybody was freaking out. Like, Oh, you got to let them play, blah, 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 blah. But the more I thought about it, it's just like, there's such an easy solution to this. It's just like, dude, just get the vaccination. And then you just won another golf tournament. Like, I don't know. It's just not that complicated to me, but who knows? But the winner, the actual winner of the golf tournament was Patrick Cantlay. His record at this course is just really, really good. 
He won the golf tournament in 2019. He won it this year. He had a fourth place finish a couple years ago, a couple top 35s. He's the second player to win the Memorial twice before turning the age of 30. The only other player to do that. You could probably guess that's T-Dub. He was plus one when he made the turn on Sunday. He was kind of battling the swing a little bit and then made the turn uh, shot a two under bogey free back nine to get into a playoff. He parred the 18th on the first playoff hole, which was enough to get it done. I think Colin missed like a seven foot par putt on the 18th hole. So his putting struggles kind of came up and bit him in the ass. And this is why this is another example of why golf just doesn't make sense at all. His last, let me look it up. I have it in my notes. I think actually his last Five stroke play event starts, right? So he had a top 15 at the Genesis, and then he made five starts before the Memorial. Miscut, 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 T23 at the PGA. So I guess he might have found something at the PGA a couple weeks ago. Before that, he missed four straight cuts. And that's why golf doesn't make any sense. And I know that Patrick Cantlay is like a really good talent. He's one of the best players on tour. But even for them, it's hard to like turn it around that quickly. I mean, you saw Rory. Right, a couple months ago, miscut the players, miscut the masters, just couldn't find it. But then again, caliber player, and then he comes around and wins, right? So I guess the top, top, top caliber guys are a, a little easier for them to bounce back. But I mean, it's crazy. He wasn't, he was only on my radar this week before the tournament started just because of his history at Mirfield Village. Like he loves this golf course. But then you look at his recent play and it's just like, man, this guy just can't find it and then comes out and wins the golf tournament. That's why golf is so hard to bet on. This was his fourth win on the PGA Tour, which I know he battled injury for a little bit. It like back problems. Um, he also had like a tragic loss in his, uh, one of his best buddies, I believe. But whenever there's a big golf tournament that comes up, Patrick Cantlay is one of the guys that a lot of people talk about to win, right? He like, oh, he need me, uh, he's due for a big win. Patrick Cantlay's here to stay, blah, blah, blah. It's very surprising to me that he only has four wins. I The way that people talk about Patrick Cantlay, you would think he has like six or seven wins, maybe even a major title when they talk about when like majors come around and a lot of people pick Patrick Cantlay or big tournaments come around and pit Patrick Cantlay. But he just like hasn't won that much. He's won twice at Mirafield. He won in October at the Zozo. So two of his wins have come in the last, what, eight months. And then he only has one win outside of Mirafield Village in the Zozo. So I don't know. I like Patrick Cantlay. Sometimes he's a little annoying to watch because he can take 45 seconds over a putt before he hits it. But he just plays really consistent golf. He's good off the tee. His irons are really good. And he can putt it when he's, he can roll it when he's feeling it on the greens. He's just a really consistent player. So he grabs his fourth win. Good for Patrick Cantlay. He even like said after, like I already said, like that was John Rahm's tournament. And he just grateful that John Rahm just got COVID. So he gets, <laughs> gets another title. Colin Morikawa on the show last week. I mentioned that if the putter got hot, he was going to be in the mix come Sunday. And for the week, he was sixth in strokes and putting. And that's exactly what happened. He was also fourth in strokes and approach. So that combination, when you hit your irons that well and you putt it that well, that's going to equal a high finish. And he was a runner-up loss in the playoff. And this is a golf tournament that Colin Morikawa is going to win and might win multiple times. He's already won at this golf course. He won the workday last year in a playoff against JT. This is a tournament that he's going to win multiple times. It's just such a second shot golf course. And Colin Morikawa is by far the best iron player on the planet. 
that it only makes sense that he's going to win this multiple, multiple times. There is absolutely no doubt in my mind that he will win this golf tournament, and he's already won at this golf course second place this year. I wouldn't put past him to win this golf tournament next year. It's just such an iron play golf course that Colin Morikawa is going to bounce back at some point and win this golf tournament. He also whiffed the shot, which was hilarious. You don't see that a lot of the time on the PGA Tour, and he said it right away. The uh, TV mics picked it up, which was really funny. You just don't see that a lot on the PGA Tour, but he'll be back. He's going to be a name to watch um, at Torrey Pines, obviously, major. Colin Morikawa usually shows up for the big tournaments. Scotty Scheffler was solo third. I like to bet on Scotty. As you guys know, over probably the last month or two, we've bet on Scotty up a good amount of time, but not having him on the card last week was definitely a mistake. You need to hit fairways and greens at Mirfield, and that's what Scotty does. He's 35th in fairways, 46th in greens. Just his iron play can struggle a little bit, which is why I kept him off of the card, but he does everything else just really, really good. Last year, he had a top 25 at this golf tournament. Um, so that's a miss by me. And he had a shank, which was funny. Those are always funny by PGA Tour guys because you don't see them a lot on the PGA Tour, and their reactions are always really are just priceless. Like JT had a shank a couple years ago and just started immediately laughing as it soared like a fairway and a half over. And Scotty Scheffler looked like he was going to kill himself when he hit that shank. Obviously Sunday coming down the stretch and he hit a shank. Never a good, never a good place to hit a shank on Sunday about to make the turn. So that's not good. So the rest of the top 10 or the top 10 can't lay it first. Morikawa solo second, Scheffler solo third, Brennan Gray solo fourth, Patrick Reed solo fifth, three tied at six with Jimmy Walker, Shane Lowry, and Max Homa, and then Aaron Wise, Siwoo Kim were tied for ninth. Shane Lowry and Brandon Grace just continue to play very good golf all season long. They've been one of the best, some of the best players on tour, especially over the last like I want to say like two or three months. Those guys have just been in the absolute mix, which has been cool to see. Oh, I lost my place in my notes real quick. Oh, our guy Max had a great week. Uh, played pretty mediocre over the weekend. He shot two uh, even par rounds. T6 for him. He just couldn't get anything going really over the weekend. He started pretty well on Sunday and then kind of just dropped back. And then Roars, he he played okay. I, I caught a lot of his rounds on Thursday and Friday because he was on feature group coverage. Or not Thursday, I guess, because he played three holes. So... I watched him a good bit on Friday. He played okay. He shot three even par rounds, 171, one under for the week, had a top 20 finish. He was putting well, especially early on Friday, and then he got a little cold. His swing definitely looks a lot better. He looks like he's a lot more comfortable hitting a cut, especially with the irons, which is good to see. His wedge play looks like it's going to be is is a little bit better, which is great. He's just going to have to find fairways, especially at Torrey coming up in a couple weeks. That is going to be, you're going to need to hit fairways around there. So who knows? I mean, if you hit fair, everybody's going to miss fairways around Torrey. So I guess with his driving distance, he's has a little bit of an advantage just because he's going to hit shorter clubs. That's why I think he finished what top five at Wingfoot or top 10 at Wingfoot just because his driving distance. So who knows? I, he'll be a name to watch. He's played well at the farmer's insurance before. So we'll see what happens with Roars. Our bets for the week. We had Charlie Hoffman, top 30. That was a miss. So minus one unit. Corey Connors, top 20. That was a miss. We had Max Homan for a top 40. That was a hit. We had Doug Gim for a top 40. That was a miss. We had Colin Morikawa for a top 10. That was a hit. Victor Hovland for a top 10. That was a miss. And then Roy McIlroy, top 20. And that was a hit. Uh, Victor, I think Victor was in the mix going into the weekend and then kind of just played shitty over the weekend. Doug Gim, I believe, missed the cut. Max Homa played great. Corey Connors finished somewhere in like the T40 range. And I think so did Charlie Hoffman. 
Charlie, I think, shot nearly like an 80 on Saturday. Like he played awful. So that round, that one round pretty much killed us because everything else he probably would have finished in the top 30. But that one round absolutely murdered that. So I think <laughs> uh, the math came out to up 0.12 units. So not good. But anything in the green at this point, we're going to take just because we've had like three straight or four straight losing weeks. So anything in the green to help us turn that around is going to be great, especially going into this week, which we're about to talk about the Palmetto Championship. We haven't been to this golf course before. Fuck it. Let's just get into it. Let me bring up my notes. We've never been to this golf course before uh, on the PGA Tour. It's relatively new. I mean, it's very new. Actually, 2017. Going back down to South Carolina, I think this is the third time this season we've been to South Carolina. So we're back in the uh, the low country. It's, it's just really hard to bet a golf tournament where, one, the field's not very good, and two, you don't really know that much about the golf course. No course history. Data golf's got nothing. You don't really know key stats and all that kind of stuff. So it's really completely based on like recent play. I mean, there's some things that might excuse me, give it away a little bit, but it's really going to be what have you done for me recently is kind of have to do it. This week is usually the RBC Canadian Open, which whose defending champion is actually Rory McIlroy. He shot a Sunday 61 or 62, I believe, to win that thing by a lot. But it's been canceled two years in a row, so Rory hasn't even defended that championship in a while. So this tournament is just a one-year replacement. Hopefully we'll be back in Canada next season. But before we get into the field a little bit, there's no one here. There's absolutely no one here. But like I said, like I mentioned a couple times already, to make you feel better, it is U.S. Open week next week. So that's what we got going for us. So we'll see. Let's get into the field a little bit here. Dustin Johnson's here, which is a little bit surprising to me. Um, I'm also kind of surprised that he still has that world number one title. That is also surprising. But back in his home state, He's made four starts since the match play. His best finish came at the RBC Heritage where we tied for 13th. Other than that, he's missed two cuts at the two majors and tied for 48th at the Valspar. So DJ has not had it. He hasn't really had it since he had a couple like okay finishes earlier in 2021 at like the all those Hawaii tournaments, but he really has kind of fallen off since winning the Masters in November. He hasn't really done anything since then. Uh, this week, he's definitely just kind of using for a tune-up for sure. He hasn't had it. We go to a major next week, U.S. Open. He doesn't want to miss three straight cuts at the majors. So that's what he's using it for. Hopefully, he can find some form because when DJ's in the mix, it's a lot more fun to watch him because he can struggle because he struggles with the best of them. Brooks Kepka, one half of the best rivalry in the game right now, is back. His last appearance with the PGA Championship, he was the runner-up to 50-year-old Phil Mickelson. I'm guessing Brooksy is also here for a tune-up this week. I don't think he's going to take this one crazy seriously because Brooks usually doesn't, especially in a field that nobody is in. This will be a tune-up for the major. He'll be looking to win the U.S. Open. Couldn't capitalize on the PGA Championship opportunity, so I'm sure he's a little rat-ass about that. So I'm sure we'll see a really good Brooksy next week at Torrey Pines, but we'll see. Other big names in the field, and I put big names in quotes. Matthew Fitzpatrick, Terrell Hatton, Kevin Kisner, and Tommy Fleetwood. Those are the only guys I want to put on the list because everybody else is kind of meh. Of course... Congaree Golf Club, 7,655 yards. This is another thing. Like, that is maxed out. We have no idea how the PGA Tour is going to set it up yet. Again, that's why betting this golf course and golf tournament is going to be really difficult. We don't know what the PGA Tour is going to do. Usually when you go to a uh, course for the first time, the PGA Tour sets it up in a pretty, like, 
friendly way. Like they don't usually max it out. They don't usually make it crazy hard. So we'll see how long it actually plays. It's a par 71, 2017 Tom Fazio design and on Bermuda greens. Weather does not look good. Uh, Tuesday, rain, 71% chance, 85. Wednesday, thunderstorms. Uh, Thursday, afternoon, thunderstorms. Friday is the best day, 92, only 22% chance. And then Saturday and Sunday both have chances of scattered thunderstorms. So we're going to see some rain, which is a bummer because this golf course is modeled after kind of like Australian sand belt a little bit. Like there's no rough. The fairways run right into the sand air, sandy areas. So they're meant to play really firm and really fast. All the greens are like open. There's no like uh, front greenside bunkers. You're allowed to use the ground to run it up on the green, kind of like Royal Melbourne at the 29 President's Cup. Kind of think that style golf, like really hard green, stuff like that. Greenside bunkers back left and right, but not up front. That's what this golf course is. So if it gets a lot of rain, it might take some of the sting out, which is a little bit of a bummer. It might turn into kind of a birdie fest, to be honest. Um because that defense, the defense of those kind of golf courses is it plays firm, fast. You need to land it at the front number instead of flying it all the way to the flag and spinning it. You saw that at the President's Cup, right? People were landing it 10 yards short of the green and then playing the ground. If it rains a lot and it's really wet, that's going to take a lot of sting out of it. So that's a bummer. And then key stats. This week, just it's going to be tricky. There's not a lot to look at. The fairways are generous. You need to hit fairways because if you're not, you're going to be in those sandy areas. So you can find some trouble in the sandy areas. You need to hit the fairway, especially if that's going to benefit you in more distance, right? If you hit sandy areas, it's not going to roll. But if the fairways dry out and they're fast, you're going to get a lot of roll off these fairways. Uh, the sticker yardage I already said might be a bit, a bit misleading, right? If they are end up drying, the distance off your driver is going to go further. So it's not going to play that full 7,600 yards. If you hit the sandy areas, you're going to be way back. You're going to be two, three clubs longer than you would be if you hit fairways. So we're looking at guys that can hit fairways, but again, they're wide. So a lot of guys are going to be able to hit fairways this week. Data golf information, they don't have any yet, at least uh, as I'm speaking right now, they don't have any data golf information. So if they do come out with something, I'll include it in the betting article on Wednesday. We're going back to Wednesday this week just because I want to be able to get all the information for how they're going to set up the PGA Tour before I give you guys all the bets because I don't want to you know, target some guys and then it doesn't work out because they set it up a different way. But hopefully Data Golf releases something that I can use in the article. Uh, betting odds. Uh, let's go. We're just going to do DraftKings because that's what I have pulled up. I've been using FanDuel, but FanDuel has been a little slow on this tournament. I don't, as we're speaking right now, it's not even on the sports book. I'm sure as you guys are listening now, it is, but DJ's the favorite at plus 800, which I just don't agree with. <laughs> Brooks Kepka is at plus 900. Terrell Hatton's at 12. Matty Fitzpatrick's at 14. Sungjae Im is at two. Harris English is at 22. Tommy Fleetwood's at 25. Ian Poulter's at 32. Alex Noren's at 33. If you go down a bit, uh, down a little bit, Further, further, Harold Varner the third is at forty-five. Kevin Kisner's at seven. Pat Perez is at eight. There's just not a lot of names in this golf tournament, so it's going to be a rough week to watch golf. If you guys are watch golf, no matter what tournament it is, if it's on TV, you're watching it. This week is going to be miserable. So that brings us to some of our guys that we're going to target this week. So we're actually going to start with or. Let me start this by saying that it is going to be very, very hard to find value this week, right? If I go over to the top 20 bets, I mean, Ian Poulter is only plus 110 for a top 20. 
like that's kind of what we're dealing with here. There's just no value on the board whatsoever. Like Tommy Fleetwood, who just hasn't been playing that good of golf of late and pretty much all season is minus money for a top 20. So there's just absolutely no value on the board this week. So it's going to be tough. We're going to have to rely on probably smaller names to make a good chunk of change this week. So we're going to start with Doc Redman. That's the first guy. He's made five of six cuts highlighted by a top 10 finish at the AT&T Byron Nelson. A lot of these guys on this list, the stats just aren't going to blow you blow your mind, but Doc Redman is just very consistent. He hits fairways at a 62.62% click and greens at 65.56. He only averages 293 off the tee, but if the fairways play firm and fast, that number should go up. In a weaker field, I'm just hoping that he'll rise up the leaderboard a little bit. Obviously, I don't know if I would target Doc Redman, like if Rory, JT, Jordan, all these guys were here, but they're not. So hopefully the 23-year-old can kind of get his way up the leaderboard a little bit. He's plus 7,000 to win. So once top 30 and top 40 odds come, odds come out, we might be able to get positive odds for him for a top 40. So that might be a guy that we're going to look at. Another guy, Sneds, he's coming back into form of, of late. He's struggled heavily at the beginning of the season and especially at the beginning of the calendar year in his first five starts he missed four cuts the only cut he made was a t32 at the farmers and that's because he absolutely adores that golf course so that kind of makes sense but since missing the cut at the players he's made six starts making every single cut highlighted by top tens at the zurich i know that's a team event but we'll give it to him and then the valera texas open he also had a top 10 again not a guy that stats are going to blow your mind, but he can roll his rock. He's always one of the better putters on tour. So hopefully his TD green game is good enough to provide him enough birdie looks. We'll see if he can make enough putts again. I don't know if any of these guys are going to end up on the card just because I don't know how the course is going to play. And I don't know what, how the weather is going to affect the golf course. So that's why we're going to be waiting till Wednesday to release all this kind of stuff. So who knows, like if it's wet and it's going to play 7,500 yards, I don't know if I'm going to put Sneds on there because he's not off long off the tee. His tee to green game can struggle. His short game and his putting is always kind of the thing that he relies on. But on a long golf course like that, it's tough to rely on that kind of stuff. So who knows? Another guy that is not really long off the tee, South Carolina native Kevin Kisner. And he's always a guy that I look at when they're on Bermuda Greens. Always. The kid is a stud on Bermuda Greens. He recently broke a streak of six straight missed cuts at the Charles Schwab with a T40 performance. This just hasn't been the season Kevin Kisner has wanted. It's pretty much come down to his iron play. His iron play has been awful. But back at a golf course that has Bermuda Greens in his home state, right? He probably very close. He probably only has to drive to the golf course. Hopefully that makes a little bit more comfortable, especially in a really weak field. In his last 36 rounds on Bermuda Greens, he's fifth on tour in strokes gain putting. He hits a lot of fairways, nearly 70%, which ranks ninth on tour, but he just lacks distance. Again, firm fairways. Hopefully he'll get more roll that brings that total yardage number down. That's what we're looking for. I already mentioned it, but the main concern with Kiz is his iron play. He was second to last in strokes and approach at the Charles Schwab, and on the year, he ranks 136th in that same category. That is a problem. That needs to be better this week for him to have a good finish, but I guess who knows, right? He was second to worst at the Charles Schwab, and he ended up in the top 40, so that's probably right in the range that we're going to put Kiz. We'll probably be able to get plus value for Kisner for a top 30. If he's on the card, that's probably will will be. Hopefully his iron play comes to the party. We'll just have to see. He hits enough fairways. Hopefully he gets some good roll, and then his iron players are going to have to come. 
And then this is one of the guys that I'm pretty sure is definitely going to be on the card no matter what, and that's Alex Noren. In his last six starts, he has five top 25s, including a T13 just last week at the Memorial. Just not impressive stats. All these guys stat-wise, like strokes gain, all that kind of stuff, they're really just not that impressive. But recently with Alex Noren, they have been better. He only hits 55% of fairways, but with generous landing spots at this golf course at Congaree, that number should go up a little bit. He's still looking for his first PGA Tour win, and I think in a weaker field, he's going to be one of the better players in the field, especially with the way he's been striking the golf ball. Everybody knows that watches golf. Alex Noren loves to move the ball left to right. Everything, his warm-up routine is crazy, but he's an incredible ball striker, so we'll see what happens with Alex Noren. He is, I think I mentioned it, he is what? Plus 3,300 to win. And he's plus 120 on DraftKings for a top 20. So he's probably going to be around like plus 150 on FanDuel. That's probably where we'll have to put him to get plus odds. I feel pretty comfortable with that, especially in a really weak field. He's been playing good golf. So we'll see. Ian Poulter, he's been playing pretty consistent golf over the last few months as well. He had a top 30 at the Masters, top 20 at the Valspar. Uh, T30 at the PGA and recently finished T3 at the Charles Schwab. He's one of the best putters on tour. And he really always is. He's ranks seventh in stroke scene putting along with Kisner. Pulse is a guy who can struggle with his iron play on the year. He ranks 164th in stroke scene approach. That sucks. That's losing a decent amount of strokes per round on the field. That is just not good. He's only plus 110 for a top 20. So again, this is another guy that I'm not sure that he's going to be on the card yet. He's not very long off the tee. He can miss a lot of fairways, although the fairways this week are a little bit more generous. But I just don't know if he's going to make it on the card just because there's just no value there. Hopefully, FanDuel is a little bit better. Actually, let me see. We're about to do a live check on FanDuel right now to see if they have odds up. I thought I waited long enough for them to have odds, but they just didn't. Have the LPGA Tour event this week? Yeah, they don't have the they don't have the championship yet. So we'll have to wait and see if uh, FanDuel sees it a little bit differently. But I wouldn't touch Ian Poulter for only plus one ten for a top twenty. That's going to have to have more value to it. But we'll see if FanDuel is just a little bit better later in the week. Uh, Pat Perez, he's been finding his game over the last several his last several appearances. He's made his last eight out of nine cuts, which is really good. Highlighted by a T twenty six at the Wells Fargo. He's been making a bunch of cuts. Just he makes the cut and then kind of does nothing over the weekend. Like he's been hanging in that like T50, T40, T45 range. That's kind of where he lives. His putter and short game, really, really good. His T to green game has been better over his last 36 compared to his season long, which is something we like to see. He's another guy that we're going to look for probably in the top 40 range on DraftKings right now. Pat Perez is plus 8,000 to win plus 600 for a top 10. So he's going to be probably plus value for a top 40. So that's probably we're going to put um, Perez if we end up going to him. And then the last guy that I want to talk about um, before kind of mentioning some of the favorites is JT Poston. So earlier in the year, early in 2021, I believe the last week of January, he had a top 20 at the Farmers. And then the first week of February, he had a top 20 at the Waste Management Phoenix Open. 
but since then it's just been a little inconsistent. His best finish was pretty recent, a T26 at the Wells Fargo. He made the cut at the Memorial last week, but finished near the bottom of the leaderboard. He had a really tough weekend. He's sixth on tour over his last 36 rounds on Bermuda and strokes gained putting. No surprise, he grew up on that surface. He's very comfortable, very similar to like a Kevin Kisner. His iron play, again, this is another guy that he gets killed by his iron play. It is not very good. So hopefully this week he can kind of show a little bit better ball striking. We'll see what happens with JT Poston. He's just such a good putter, especially on Bermuda, that it's kind of hard to ignore his name when he pops up. And he's got long odds, I'm pretty sure. If I can find him real quick. Yeah, plus 10,000 to win. So top 40 is definitely going to be positive odds for JT. So if he's on the card, that's probably where he's going to end up being. As for some of the favorites, DJ, I see him maybe having an advantage this week if it is a little bit more wet if he can take advantage of his carry distance because some guys are going to be able to just hit it low and just hit little screamers that run a hundred yards in the fairway. And then his driver advantage kind of goes away. But if it's wet, he might have an advantage, but he just hasn't been in that good of form. Like he's minus minus one forty for a top 10. I just wouldn't touch that. Brooks had a great week at the PGA championship, obviously solo second with a major next week. I think he'll, be so focused on the U.S. Open that I don't know if he'll come out and win this golf tournament. He might contend, right? He might top 20, top 10. I don't see him winning this week. Um, but again, he's minus 130 for a top 10 to have any sort of value. You got to go top five finish. I just don't know if I see that. Terrell Hatton's been playing pretty good golf all season long, but haven't really seen his name of late. So we'll see what happens with Terrell. Matthew Fitzpatrick is a guy that I love to bet on. I think Manny's just due for a win on the PGA Tour, especially at this kind of golf course. I think it fits him very, very well. But his odds just aren't great. Like plus 1,400 to win on on DraftKings and plus 120 for a top 10. You got to really hope for a good week from Fitzy. And I just don't think it's there. Sung JM is another guy at plus 2,000 who usually lives in that like plus three to plus 4,000 range. That's just one of what the fifth favorite this week, like the field is just so weak that these kind of guys are going up in the plus 2000 plus 1500 range that they're never up there. So it's kind of weird to see their names that high, but Sung JM is another guy. His iron play is so good that he might give himself enough looks at birdie that he can make a bunch and maybe make a run on Sunday. And then the last one, Tommy Fleetwood at plus 2,500. He's just been very inconsistent this season. If I can pull him up real quick. I love rooting for Tommy. Um, I always, why, like I used to go to the Arnold Palmer pretty much every year, and I try to still. He had a top 10 there uh, this year. He loves that golf tournament, so I watch him a lot. But he's just been struggling. Like He's 160th off the tee in strokes gained, one, a 102 in approach, which is very surprising because he's notorious, one of the best ball strikers on the planet. But his iron play just hasn't been get that good this season outside the top 100. And then he's uh, he loses... 0.15 strokes around putting, which ranks 142nd on tour, which just isn't good. Doesn't hit a lot of fairways, doesn't hit a lot of greens, not that long off the tee. He's just struggling. He missed the cut at the PGA Championship. He did have a top 15 at the Wells Fargo, missed the cut at the RBC Heritage, um, missed the cut at the Players. He played good at the match play, but ended up doing nothing. But he's just been inconsistent. So we'll see if Tommy comes to play. Maybe in a maybe in a weaker field, he'll kind of uh, he'll have a good week, but. That's it, guys. That's for, that's the end of the show. That's it for this week. Not a lot to talk about, but next week's going to be awesome. Obviously, the U.S. Open. Very excited to get back to Torrey Pines. Uh, it's not my favorite golf course. I don't 
I think they definitely could have designed it a little bit better. I know there's a lot of people that love Tory. I just think their location, they probably could have used it a little bit better. But I do like Tory. Obviously, Tiger back there in 2008 was fucking incredible. Very much looking forward to the U.S. Open next week. But that is it for this week. Follow the Instagram at Twilight9Pod. Follow my personal Instagram at RileyHamill underscore. Like I said earlier in the show, all the betting stuff is going to come out Wednesday again this week just because I want to wait for the PGA Tour maybe to announce how they're going to set up the golf course and maybe wait for a little bit more information on the golf course before I make my picks for the week. So that'll be out Wednesday. And then as you guys actually are listening to this right now, I haven't like announced it or put it on Instagram yet. I probably will before you guys listen to this. But the first instructional series video is actually live on our YouTube. Super short. I think it's only like three minutes and 30 seconds in total or somewhere around there. And the first like two minutes is just me explaining in the studio or at my little desk and mic and stuff what the series is all going to be about um, and that kind of thing. And then the video, the little clip is like 45 seconds. Like I hate the coaches that have like a 12 minute long instructional video and they only coach you for a minute and a half. That has always made no sense to me. This one is super quick. It kind of ends really quickly. Uh, I didn't have a bunch of time, but they there'll be longer there'll be like four or five minutes probably on average to just explain a little bit more in depth but the golf course i at was super busy i did it on the putting green because the range was legitimately full but usually there'll be a little bit longer than that but this week the drill is pretty simple not a lot to explain so that's why it's really short but go check out the first instructional series video it's live on the youtube i think it's just twilight nine on youtube i don't know you guys might subscribe to it might not who knows go check it out follow the instagrams And I will talk to you guys next week for the U.S. Open. Peace, guys.